Welcome to Series 1, Episode 1, A Strange Holiday of Masks, from Distinct Poplar, a twice-monthly audio fiction series written and read by Matt Herzberg. So if you haven't heard of the Day of Masks, then you know absolutely nothing about one of the most widespread and celebrated holidays in the city. Though, don't be fooled by the hype of popularity. It's a lot more recently created than one would think, or so I've found out. The Day of Masks came about after the Great Move when native residents of distinct poplars neighborhoods began leaving their traditional homes and picking up roots in pursuit of greener pastures. But they didn't move out of the city. No, they left only their old neighborhoods behind and moved up into the other parts of distinct poplar, parts where, back then, they weren't welcome at all. This was a problem for lots of people in the city because living in a neighborhood all your life is very important to them. This is called status, you see. It's all about your status everywhere you go. Where you live and what neighborhood you come from matters, and you'll be judged, good or bad, depending on where you come from and where you're trying to be. You may not realize how many different neighborhoods there are in Distinct Poplar. Each has a lot of weird traditions, rituals, and practices that the people who live there follow in order to fit in. For example, there's a neighborhood called Red Leaf Run that purposely gets rid of its native-born sons and daughters. Yep, you guessed it. Parents remove their own children from the bottom of plain and ordinary living and into higher neighborhoods of elegance and sophistication. And almost every other neighborhood is higher up on the status food chain than Red Leaf Run. Weird, I know. But it's true. People there want to give their kids a leg up by being raised in a better neighborhood, which, if it works, gives them better status, and sometimes it works out pretty good, too. Believe you me, many an odd-looking kid finds themselves in the foster care system of a higher-status neighborhood, sticking out like a sore thumb in a mismatched family. Shouldn't be too hard to guess that most people in Distinct Poplar turn their nose at kids who come from Redleaf Run. It used to be easy, or so I'm told, to pick out which neighborhood someone came from. People had a look about them. Their clothes, the way they walked, the way they cut their hair. So what's one example of this? Well, I know that the men of Almer's Way wear peacoats and sport fancy bowler caps with a colored ribbon wrapped around it. Each color of ribbon means something different. I don't know what the ribbons stand for, or what each color means, but I hope to find out. Till then, you could ask the stylish men of Almer's Way if you must, but they won't tell you. That's a neighborhood secret. See what I mean? Anyway, at some point, the people of Distinct Poplar felt a need to keep their identity strong, what with all the sudden moves people were making. They wanted to be free of complications from who was coming in or out of the neighborhood. 
Makes sense when you think about it. Everyone starts picking up shop and looking for a better spot across town. It makes people afraid of what might happen to the tried and true cultural oddities that have defined their lives for generations. People don't like change. It's sad, but true. So to keep their status and neighborhood identity, the people of the city passed down a crafting tradition to their kids so that their values might continue into the future untainted. Those kids would have kids, and those kids would have kids, and the family keeps its identity in an uncertain future world where tradition and culture are threatened to be absorbed by neighborhood jumper squatters. That's what they called them. Those people who moved into the neighborhood you lived in, they called them jumper squatters. Now, as I understand it, after the great move from neighborhood to neighborhood, it wasn't easy to tell who comes from which part of where. Due to all the moves, people got confused, so people put their heads together, and soon people started making masks. Then each neighborhood began a special day when everyone put on their masks, and kept them on for a whole entire day. Those who were native to the neighborhood, whose family had lived there for generations, they all used the same crafting styles and techniques, so their masks basically looked the same. Those who were new to the neighborhood, whose families hadn't had any time to lay down roots, who brought with them the rituals and cultures of their original neighborhood, those new people tried their best to fit in. But when the day of masks came, they had nothing to wear to fit in, and knew they would be outed with that all-too-ugly term, jumper squatters. However, that didn't stop the new neighbors from trying. Fitting in, becoming part of the neighborhood, well, that was super important. It's how they got their new status. So, the newcomers tried to make neighborhood mask replicas, but the crafting techniques that their established neighbors used were too secretive, too specific, and replicas often failed. Eventually, every neighborhood had their very own day of masks. They celebrated with elaborate parades and ghastly-looking parade floats. These things were originally designed to be menacing, bright and colorful, but in an off-putting and gaudy kind of way. The messed-up idea being that the newcomers to the neighborhoods would see them and get scared. Childish, I know, but you should see these things. Large, oversized creatures of bright pink, yellow, and orange. Demonic slits for eyes. Large, gangly arms. Sharp teeth and a full headdress of twisted horns. They propped these garish-colored evil parade floats on the tops of cars and trucks and drove them around. Sidewalkers carried poles to help manipulate their arms. It's all very elaborate, take it from me. Those floats are still used to this day.
Day of Mask celebrations also featured extremely dangerous fire contests and sword and knife games to show newcomers how reckless the neighborhood natives really were. One such activity involved strong men attempting to flip old broken down cars for sport. Again, to convince newcomers that this was not a terribly safe place to live. Again, we still got stuff like this now. There was no extent that neighborhoods wouldn't go to in order to make their ridiculous warnings known. Even if they had to hang all their pots and pans outside their homes like wind chimes for fellow natives to furiously hit with wooden spoons as they passed each day, yeah, you could say things were getting out of hand. So the City Commission for Cultural Events and Holidays put forth an official mandate that all Day of Mask celebrations and, just to be certain, all other mask-related holidays would be unified into one city-wide holiday. My guess is it just became too much of a mess to do otherwise. So now, we all have a day where we all wear masks. People go to their jobs in masks, kids go to school in masks, twins wear separately different masks which allows them to be distinguished with the other disguised children at school. So twins have the most fun on the Day of Masks. Many secret weddings happen on the Day of Masks, with the utmost amount of anonymity. Lovers young and old alike don special bridal masks to complete the ceremony without the blessings or approvals of their disapproving guests, who received in the mail an invitation that simply reads, Someone or someone's you may or may not know is getting married on the day of masks. Those who show up wear masks of their own as well, while they silently stand in attendance. Many purchases of an illegal or unsavory nature take place on the day of masks, for a non-disclosure agreement is unofficially in full swing when a masked customer approaches a masked shop owner for a certain special thing that is best left unknown. Oftentimes, when kids need to skip classes for an important but secret reason, they will often do so on the day of masks. Beware, however, for the schools have their own method to find them out and recollect missing and delinquent students. For even if the school administration cannot accurately take attendance on the day of masks, they can hunt down those that play hooky with special masked agents of the DPPS, Distinct Poplar Public School System. They are called the Name Face Collectors. They are teachers and school personnel who don special masks that transform them into these magical students seeking and collecting things. You've been listening to Series 1, Episode 1, A Strange Holiday of Masks, copyright November 1st, 2017, from distinctpoplar.com. Music for this episode was done by Kevin McLeod. You can find more information about the songs in the episode description. For more episodes of our podcast, as well as ebooks and other features about the city that forgot to stay clean, visit us online at distinctpoplar.com. <laughs>